Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Aiden, and I'm the host of The Pushball Factor. I want to thank you all so much for joining me on this journey to uncover what migration really is and trying to debunk some myths about it that are floating around in the media. By the way, if you love my intro music and it has you dancing in your seat like it did me, it was produced by a producer named Ant on the Track. If you love my podcast cover, it was made by a designer named Justin. You can find out more about the both of them on my website, pushballfactor.com. Now, for a little more about me, your host, I'm a 20-something born on the cusp of two different generations, millennial and Generation Z, and I, I feel that I can embody some things about both generations. Now, I've always been incredibly fascinated by different cultures of the world, and this was really curated and fostered while I was a student at Babson College. Now, Babson's a small school right outside of Boston, and during my time there, I really got to interact with students from around the world, and to make other continents my classroom on top of that. So really having this global knowledge, you know, pushed me to launch this podcast and learn more about people and the countries of the world. And I really think this can be an impactful platform for sharing global stories and helping people, again, understand migration and debunk some myths about it. It's such a complex yet compelling topic that doesn't get, it doesn't get enough focus in the popular consciousness. Too much of migration is clouded by political messaging that's solely focused on immigration. Actual definition of immigration, that's only... Migrants who don't want to return to their home country and they're traveling for that reason. So it ignores concepts such as cyclical migration, student migration, human capital flight. I think you get the picture. The movement of humans has occurred since the beginning of time. And even in a pandemic, it continues to happen. I think it's finally time we have this conversation and open this door. And I'm excited to be the one to do it. I'd like to start with the segment that I call Migration Education. This is just intended to provide a quick burst of information related to this country that we'll be discussing in the interview later today. The country in question is Venezuela, which has been the location of one of the largest movements of people in recent history. According to the International Organization for Migration's 2020 World Report, there will be 6.5 million Venezuelans living outside of their country by December 2020. Now, you may be asking, what's causing this exodus? What are driving so many people out of Venezuela? There are so many different political and socioeconomic factors, but the one major one is inflation. Now, the actual definition of inflation is a general increase in prices and fall in the purchasing value of money. The IMF, the International Monetary Fund, measured inflation rates in April 2020 by taking a measure of a country's average level of prices for common goods. Now, you can imagine these are common goods such as bread, milk, and different staples. The global average came out to be about 3% inflation. The United States came in at 0.6%. Chile came in at 3.4%. Venezuela came in at 15,000%. So I hope that can just elucidate the situation in Venezuela a little bit and just really contextualize how insane the hyperinflation is. The next highest country that had data to report on was Zimbabwe with 319 with an inflation rate that high that moves so rapidly, that means you could potentially get a paycheck that halves in value by the next pay period. I think that was the root of problems for a lot of different Venezuelans, and I think it's still the root of problems today. They can't afford daily expenses, and many of them survive solely on remittances from relatives that are working in other countries. Can you imagine the cost of a service or a good changing depending on the exchange rate that day? Even that hour? Like, it's insane. You could look at a coat on your lunch break and go after work and see that it's 30% more expensive. And I think it's even some things are just advertised in USD because there's a general distrust in the currency. And you can pick up on some of this in the interview with certain stories one of my guests shares. 
And I think that's actually the perfect segue for me to introduce my guest. I'm very grateful that my network was very open to coming onto my podcast because Andrew was actually one of my roommates in college. And before we were roommates, we actually studied abroad together. And one of the countries in our program was in Chile. And that's where he met Rachel, a young woman from Venezuela. And now I have the both of them on my podcast, speaking as a couple and speaking about both of their respective journeys. So without further ado... Here with me today, I have the wonderful couple of Andrew and Rachel. Andrew is an American-born man living in Santiago, Chile, and currently working as a customer service manager, while Rachel is a Venezuelan-born woman also living in Santiago, Chile, and working as a cafe manager. Thank you both for joining me today. How are you all doing? Good. Good. Great. I'm glad to have the both of you on. I'm really excited to sort of dig deeper and learn more about your stories. But just to establish more context about your relationship with one another, can you guys briefly speak to how you met and how long you've been together? <laughs> That's a really funny story. Do you want to tell it? <laughs> no, you can tell it. Cool. Uh, yeah, so we I, I was studying abroad here with you, for any listeners who don't know. Uh, and... Yeah, I was using Tinder, and this one, I, I found Rachel, and I was, I'm terrible at Tinder pickup lines, man, like, terrible. That was bad. Okay, like, I'm pretty good at being, like, witty and smart in the moment, or, like, based off situations, but to just look at a picture or someone's name and come up with a pickup pick line, not my thing. Uh, so she had dogs in her picture and i said i said wow those dogs are cute but not as cute as you and it was like the worst pickup line uh and then i don't know what's what was your side of that conversation rach i was with my best friend and i was like oh my god he's really you can tell that he's a gringo that he doesn't speak spanish (laughs) because that wasn't in english that was in spanish and it was terrible and i was like okay let's give it a try because he's making an effort trying to have a nice pickup line in Spanish, but at least he tried. <laughs> but yeah, it was kind of cute. Yeah, so so we kind of, we skipped, like normally I feel like on Tinder they, people spend days talking, but we were like, no, 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 might as well just go and, and meet up. So we met up in Plaza Niñoa, and that was like our first date. I don't yeah, know if no, you want like, more detail there, but like, I don't like, know. Like, no. He was the weird one. Like, I tried to talk to him I'm and not text surprised. him before the date. And he was, I was like, hi, good morning. And he was like, hi, I'm great. Blah, blah, blah. And he was like super serious. And I was like, he's, this is going to be weird. Like, it was my first time dating uh, Gringo. Like, in Latin America, mm. you usually know <laughs> that. People from the U.S. they're like very serious and they don't talk that much, and yeah, that's what happened with Andrew. He didn't talk that much. <laughs> well, do you think it was about Andrew? Or was it mostly like the language barrier? Because has the Spanish improved at least from you know that first pickup line? <laughs> yes, yes, a lot. I hope so. <laughs> well, he has like some weird things when he's at the house. Like he says some weird things like pick up lines at home and it's uh. they're bad too <laughs> but he's cute like that's why I, i'm with him <laughs> all right so he's trying well thank you guys for sharing that so i know the lived experiences <laughs> in your home countries were 
you know, there's partially are wholly responsible for your migration story. So I wanted to start by taking a step back to your upbringing. So I want to ask the both of you, what city and country do you consider your hometown? I'll let you go first, Rach. <laughs> what city and country do you consider your home? Uh, currently, Chile, Santiago de Chile. No, 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 no. Like, but where did you grow up? Ah, where did I grow up? Merida, Venezuela. It's mm. a city in Los, a Los Andes. Is that the right translation in English, or it doesn't have a translation? The Andes it might not. Mountains. Is that just the Andes region? Yeah. 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 It's like one of the, it's the only cold part in Venezuela. Like there is snow on the mountains and it's really, it's a really nice city. It's a, it's full of students and it's like, it's like Santiago de Chile, but more chill. And Mm -hmm. it's a small city too. I don't know. I just like, it has this weird magic. I, sometimes I really want to go come back. But currently, Santiago is my home. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, for me, uh, weird. I was born in New Mexico, but most of my life has been spent on the east coast of the U.S. Uh, I think moved around a lot when I was a kid, but like my teenage, my adolescent years, I'll say, my real like growing up years were spent in a suburb of Philadelphia called Bucks County um and I I guess I would still consider that my home even though like when I my parents live in Montana now so like if I go back there I don't have a house to go back to but that's definitely my home at least like for me um yeah I guess because yeah most of my like my influential years of life other than college obviously uh were spent in Philadelphia so I would say that is my home Makes sense. So how early do you guys remember interacting with migration? Like, did you ever move countries at a young age? Or did you have any family members that did? Or was it even in your imagination, like, thinking about life in another country? Yes, for me, yes. All my family, like, uh, they've been splitting since I was 12. They, like, my cousins, they've been mm. moving to other countries. My first cousin who moved out, he moved to Perth, Australia, and that was like, it was it was weird for all the family because we were like, oh my god, no migration, it's it's like, it's weird because we never like try that, but these days it's like a common thing to just leave your country for Venezuelans, and since I'm I have twelve. Since I was 12 years old, um, mm-hmm. I wanted to move out, to go out, get out of Venezuela. Yeah. Is that the right way to say it? Uh, yeah, I would put it. That's a good way to put it. Okay, get yeah. Out, get out, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I, I went to England for three months, and I really loved that. Like, it was, it was a really nice country. I was kind of obsessed with <laughs> England, and since that experience, I wanted to get out of Venezuela. Mm. Was there anything specific about England that kind of just made you sort of just love it as much as you did? I don't know. It was weird because, like, it was the first time going, uh, getting, like, it was my first time out of Venezuela 
and everything was so different. Uh, I didn't like the the people that much because they were kind of cold, but like everything was super organized, like uh, public transportation, like everything. The life there was so different, and I really wanted to live in a country with that, with those things. Like Venezuela is it's is a mess since I remember. Yeah, for me, like not early on, not that early on in my life, not until before I went to Babson, I took the gap semester and I went to Costa Rica. And from then on out, I knew that I wanted to live outside the U.S., right? It's because it's a whole different experience. Uh, and like, like the, the difference between England and Venezuela, kind of like if I could put it in one word, that what she's talking about is structure. And I think obviously I'm coming from a life with a ton of structure in the U.S., right? And mm-hmm. going to Costa Rica and not having that structure was huge for me, like influential in who I am. And I think from that time, I always thought, you know, I, I kind of want to have a life in a country where I have to be more adaptable. I, I don't have as much structure. Like there's no easy lifelines. Um, and I, I forget how, I think I was like 18 at that time. So not, not mm-hmm. super young, but like right, right on the cusp of becoming an adult, I guess <laughs> I could say. Yeah, I mean, your brain hasn't fully developed to like what, 25 they say. So I, I think you're still a child until you hit those ages. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I would say it's solidified when, when we studied abroad, like, I was then I was like, oh yeah, for sure I'm gonna like put in the work to move to another country. With Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. So for both of you, was well, I guess this is the perfect segue question actually. So for the both of you, was there a specific trigger that started your journey, or was it more of a slow burn? Hmm. Like, I'm trying to t- answer. I'm trying to think. I don't know. I mean. Like, I, I knew I wanted to come to Chile, right? Because we, we spent most of our time in Argentina and Chile when we were studying, and Chile is nicer. Like, the Santiago, we, we say in Santiago and Buenos Aires, right? I compare Buenos Aires to New York. It's much more busy. It's much more dirty, right? Sorry for anyone who loves New okay, York. Okay, you don't, need, I, you don't I like, need to do that. <laughs> I like New York, but, I'm, I mean, dude, like, you go in the subway, and you just feel dirty entering the subway in New York. And I'm not saying that about, like, other cities – they don't have like wicked clean subways but and like other than central park there's not a huge amount of greenery where at like boston i feel like it's a much more chill vibe um maybe it's just because it's it's much colder and people move less and i compare santiago to boston right mm. and in you know me you know i like boston better but like also santiago you know it wasn't hmm i don't know i think in terms of job opportunities it was also a better move Right. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little more. Can't like, cause can't we see gr- our graduation from Babson being a bit of a trigger for you? Cause I did keep you in the states until, like, when you did leave. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Like I wasn't, and I had a very different path than a lot of people. Cause most of the people that I work with, right, like they come down here to teach English, and they've been teaching English for years, and then they find a job. Whereas I knew, like, I did not want to come down here unless I had a job. Right. Because then it would be like I didn't want to teach English, you know, um, that wasn't my goal. 
right? So I'm not going to come down here and waste four years teaching English. That's not going towards, you know, my goal. Um, so I came down here and was talking to companies, right? Found a job. Uh, I should say I interviewed for a position with a company. Couldn't meet like their timeline because I still needed to do stuff in the U.S. Like I had to sell my car, which was quite an experience. Mm. Um, <laughs> but no, like that same company reached out a couple months later and they said, oh, hey, you know, we have we have another post. You can apply there. So I, I applied that, got the job. And then they were like, OK, well, we'll see you in two weeks. And I was like, OK, got to sell my car and, and settle everything in two weeks. Oh, my God. Um, but yeah, that, like that was definitely the trigger. And then I think. I also had it easier than most people, right? Like Rachel, when when we go into it, like her story is much tougher than mine. Because when I came here, I had her, right? I didn't have to look for an apartment. I didn't have to buy a fridge and a washer and stuff. Like she had already been here building all that, right? So like she definitely had a tougher time than me. Like I was very lucky. And I guess Rachel, for you, was it more of like a specific trigger decision or was it a decision over time? Like did you have to prepare like Andrew or was it more... Okay, now's the time. Yeah, for me it was like, this is when I have to go. I was working in a hotel in, there's this island in Venezuela named Margarita. I've, I had a really, really good job there, and I really liked it. But the situation in Venezuela was getting, I don't know, unsustainable. That, like, I couldn't afford nice food and or basic stuff like for example buying a shampoo or a deodorant like that was that was bad I couldn't like find that on the supermarket or or the pharmacy and I was like no this is when I have to go and then I try to like I save a little bit of money I came to Chile with six hundred dollars and without a job i i had where to stay i had where to stay like my sister she mm -hmm. she lives here she's what is she she's half sister sister-in-law sister-in-law uh -huh. yeah she's my sister-in-law we we don't get along that much. wait no stepsister stepsister yeah stepsister, yeah, stepsister not sister-in-law sorry you're a terrible <laughs> translator <laughs> and she's Fire my stepsister yeah She's my stepsister, and like she offered to take me in her in her house, like some months, and and I was like, okay, I'll take that. But at the end, I slept on the couch, and for like what, like six months. Then all the situation got bad with her, and luckily, I found a job two weeks later after arriving in Santiago and since that I've been working on the same place thanks to that job I can say that all the things I have it's because of that job sometimes I kind of hate it for being honest but yeah then since when when I when I realized that I had to move out from her house I, this friend helped me to rent an apartment I share that apartment with with his parents and I wanted to run away from my sister's house and I the first night on that apartment I was just sleeping on a mattress on the floor without electricity because I didn't know how to settle those things 
the apartment was brandly mm. new and yeah the, the first days were kind of hard because i didn't have a fridge i didn't have a washer it was very complicated and that building was really old and it didn't have uh, a laundry place yeah yeah a laundry mm. place so it was really messy like i had to i save a lot of money i bought a nice washer and since that moment is when I started like to get my all my things and then I moved like one two like three more times uh, that apartment didn't it didn't work with my friends with my friend with my friends parents mm -hmm. because they went back to Venezuela they were just like visiting here for a few months and so I had to find these other I shared a house with three guys. They were nasty. That was a terrible <laughs> house. It was really, really bad. I was, the kitchen was a mess. It was super, super dirty and mm. never share a house with three guys. They're like 35 <laughs> years old and they don't know what to do with their lives. I don't recommend that to anyone. And <laughs> Andrew even get to know them. They're mm -hmm. kind of messy. I forget all of their names. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I remember only the like the owner of the house. His name was Nicolas. And mm. and then after that, my boss she she rented this really nice house. She turned that house into a bake half bakery, half house. And I had the biggest room. Finally, I had my own bathroom I was like all settled and by that time is when Andrew decided to come to Chile lived there for six months yeah we live we live at the house for like six months six Eight, seven yeah yeah around a little over half a year yeah and it was really nice the house was was really good like mm -hmm. a lot of things happened and with my boss like we we wanted to have our own space like when you're a couple and you're trying to to figure things out with your partner, like you want to have your <laughs> privacy and and yeah, we decided to move to our to this nice apartment. <laughs> uh -huh. I chose the apartment, by the way. Okay, <laughs> I'm sure that was a much better decision to let you, you know, have the reins. <laughs> <laughs> I saw some okay ones. We, this is like the, what, like third or fourth apartment we looked at, and it's yeah. just, we fell in love with it, but yeah, it's, it's really nice. But yeah, I mean, we, she's definitely come up, like from sleeping on a couch to living in her own apartment in three years. Quite a trip in terms of just I know, that's, I know that's very inspiring coming to a country you don't really know one person with $600 and just making a life for yourself. It's very inspiring, Rachel. Yeah, and, my, and the thing is that when, like, the hardest time of my of my life here in Chile, it, it was with my sister. Like, sometimes, like, you have family in another country, but you don't. Like, your family, eh, I don't know how to say this in English. Andrew can translate this for me. Tus amigos son tu familia algunas veces. Your friends are your family sometimes? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's... Mm -hmm. I don't like I don't know in what context. Basically like some like 
your friends could be the family you choose. Exactly right? but, yeah. that. To elaborate, like her sister yeah. was just terrible. Oh my god. Like she hated me because one day Andrew Andrew got to know her. Like he stayed at that that apartment, and one day when we were starting like dating and all that, she was like, "Oh my god, you're so lucky." And I was like, "Why?" Because my dad took you to... Oh, because she was kind of jealous of me. Because mm. my dad took you to England, and now you speak English. Now you have a boyfriend from the U.S. You're so lucky. And I was like, oh, my God, you're such a weirdo. <laughs> you know, like a very bad way, like... And mm. I don't know, like a bunch of comments like that. And, mm. and yeah, she was bad. I don't know if she's going to listen to this, but she was uh, bad. I, I haven't I'm talked gonna... to her since I moved out, like, since two years and, I don't know, like, almost three years. Yeah. I haven't talked to her, nor even for a mistake, nothing. Like, she's just terrible. That's well, I'm glad that you can sort of move on from that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Put it behind us. Right. Well, I mean, she didn't know how... I don't think being in a relationship with Andrew is that lucky, to be honest. <laughs> like, uh, like some of her friends, for example, are like, oh my god, like you got a, a gringo boyfriend, he's going to take you back to the US. And I really flipped the switch, and I was like, no, nah, I'm going to move to Chile. <laughs> You're like, I like it better here. I think that's you know, a great transition. So with the both of you now living in Santiago, and, <clears throat> and outside of your home countries, I'm sure you've lived some interesting experiences. But can you both sort of summarize how long you've been living in Santiago de Chile? Roughly like years and months. Like our our time summed up or like individual? <laughs> oh, in, individually. All oh, right, cool. Rich can go first. Three years. Three years? Yeah, three yeah. years starting in... No, in two days, I have three years living in, in Santiago. Mm. So yeah, it's my then... third anniversary. <laughs> I've been here just over a year, like full, like full time living here, just over a year. I think my my flight landed like August 29th. We just, we just like, we didn't really like celebrate it, but we had like, what do we have, champagne or something? Yeah. Um, to say that I had been here for a whole year, and it was, uh, yeah, it was like August 28th or 29th. Um, so I've been here oh, wow. just over a year now. Also very recent. <laughs> So I guess this question will be geared more towards Rachel, but was Santiago sort of your final goal? I knew your sister drew you to, <clears throat> your stepsister, I'm sorry, that kind of drew you to the city, but did you consider other places, other countries? Were you set on staying in Latin America for now? Did you want to sort of potentially go beyond? Yeah, of course. Like At the beginning, I was just looking for for a place to open, like, all the doors. <laughs> I don't know if that's right, but I was looking for a country mm. who helped me with my my stability, like to have a visa and uh, an ID and being legal on the country. Like I didn't want it to be illegal and waiting all my life to have a visa or to find a decent job or that type of things. For example, like opening a bank account if you don't have your documentation it can be rough and chile like chile offered eh, past tense they offer a bunch of opportunities here but then the all the migration was was there was a lot of people coming to chile 
And that's when they closed the doors. I, I wanted to move to Buenos Aires too, but they're kind of hard by, with the visa process. I also I, I was also thinking of moving to Australia. Then I saw Chile like a trampoline. Stepping stone. Yeah, stepping yeah. stone to Australia because they have really nice, re very good relations. And yeah, I don't, I don't, I hope not to stay all my life here in Santiago because I don't like like Latin America, like I was saying before. I think we're gonna be. This is gonna be a rough decision when we decide to move out of Santiago because Andrew wants to live in a country without so much rules and and I want to live in a country who is like very. I don't know. How can you say that? Like very. With Strict, structured. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm. It's interesting how like, both of your different upbringings and where you were raised kind of sort of play into that and what you desire in a home in a home country. Yeah, so I started think in a kind of way, it's like it's it's like the grass is always greener on the other side, in a way, right? Like I I've, I've always had a security net and a structured life, and I've been searching for less structure. And Rachel has always had that unstructured version, and she's been searching for more structure. So we'll have to find a composite. Yeah. <laughs> trying to think. It's like, for example, I was when I was in Venezuela, I was driving, I don't know, at like 10 p.m. And if there was a red light, you know that usually you need to stop, right? In Venezuela, you, you couldn't afford to do that. Like, it was red, just go like if it's green. Like, for, for example, that type of thing is like, I want it. I want a country where I can be safe waiting on my car for the light to change. Oh, so you're saying, like, if you stopped at a red light... I'll get robbed or... <laughs> yeah, like... Run it. Oh, wow. Yeah. That sort of makes sense. makes sense. It explains sort of the everyday life factor. But speaking more on that, are there any aspects of everyday life that either of you were surprised by when you started living in Santiago? Uh... I mean, definitely eat more avocado. It's cheaper here. <laughs> I remember one of the first things I was super I happy that. about was pink lady apples. Right? I, I like apples. They're just a good fruit. But pink lady apples are much cheaper here. Right? I, like, I guess they just don't, or like they export them to the U.S. or whatever, but they grow them here and, and they're, it's like, what was it? it was like a dollar for a kilo like it was so good priced but no i you know other aspects of life like i don't know in terms of like public transportation i wouldn't say there's a huge change like santiago's got a pretty good metro um yeah i'm trying to think honestly just getting used to speaking in spanish more often because like i don't even that's like that's a lot he doesn't speak Spanish. no no okay well here's the thing <laughs> here's the thing like i don't even like speaking to people in english right i just like like, if I don't know people, like, strangers, or, like, asking for stuff, right, I'm just uncomfortable in that type of social situation. And now I have to do it in another language, right? Even though I have someone who speaks fluently right next, or speaks natively, I should say, right next to me, right? And I'm just like, Rich, like, go ask them to bring us ketchup, right? <laughs> Even though, like, I could say it, but it's just, um, uh, but yeah, that's probably the biggest change is just having to use Spanish every day like for me at least um yeah 
Mm. For me, like Santiago is what? I thought I thought of one more thing, but say I'm gonna it, let you go. Well, no, say it. The Trump, like it's just nice to mm. not live in in the country where Trump is at the center of everyday news. Like that that was a big thing. Obviously, it's specific to this point in time, right? But that was a good a, a good uh, getaway, I guess. Yeah, but it's it's like like every other country. For example, here in Chile, we have this thing named Estallido Social, which all the things exploded from one moment to another. Like people is not happy. Like there are a bunch of riots and mm, protests. Mm-hmm. Protests, yeah. But there were riots too, yeah. And it was really bad that that happened when Andrew moved here. He was like one month living in Santiago, and then like a month and a half. Yeah, yeah. and then oh, everything like October. was bad. And since that moment, like things here in Chile, like everything's different. I don't know. Like I get their point, but this is gonna. I don't know. All my if some of my friends listen to this, I know they're gonna hate me. But seriously, they're trying to turn Santiago into Caracas, Venezuela. Like, they're trying mm. to put the all that thing, all that ideology? Ideology, yeah. Ideology. Yeah. They're trying to put that in... Like Chavis, Chavista. Chavista, yeah. It's like socialism. Mm-hmm. They're trying to have that here. I'm sorry, Aiden, I don't know if, you're, if you think like Andrew. Okay, I, I'm not socialist, though. Yeah, but he thinks that that's cool and that's that's a good thing and and it's oh like, dude, you haven't lived with that, so yeah. Now we and gotta no, go no. off on a <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I'll say this: I, I I was looking and considering socialist ideologies in college until I got my first job offer and contract, and I quickly threw that out the window. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah, and and that's what it makes me kind of sad with uh, Chile. I don't know, like. The situation here is not going fine, and also uh, there are a bunch of Venezuelans. I was running away from them, and they're all over Santiago, all over. And it's not that I don't like my people, but I'm trying to be in a new culture, in a new country, with new things, and and yeah, they're they're there. <laughs> I don't like that. And how we arepas? Not that much. Uh, she got me there. Maybe like once every. Week. You're right. Every right, couple right. of weeks, every every month. I don't. I don't like I don't to know. cook, by the way. So <laughs> yeah. So. But like, one of like one of the things they're 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 protesting for here, and like, look, I'm not gonna like. There are socialists involved, right? Socialism has always been a, a thing in Chile, but the the biggest thing they're protesting now is to write a new constitution. Right, and it's just their last constitution was written during Pinochet, the dictator. So I don't care if you're socialist, uh, communist, democratic, liberal, whatever, like centrist. Right, at the end of the day, it's these people want a, a, a constitution that was not written by a dictator. Like I think that's a good enough cause. Yes, but there are ways to ask for that. They were, I know friends. I have friends. But they, they had oh, to wait, protest wait, wait, wait. just to get the yes, plebiscite. Yes, but there I know people that they were, yes, let's burn all the supermarkets because they deserve it. Dude, no. Like, no. Why? Why? That's people who's working 
I know it's part of like, for example, the supermarket here is is Walmart. Leader. Leader. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I Leader. know it's a I big remember. company, and I know it's like, but there's people behind all that. Like, there's people mm. having a decent the job. Those mother. No. Oh my God. Not them. I'm talking about the people who I, works no, there. Yeah. Like, if you burn their their supermarket, they'll get fired. Mm-hmm. So it's the thing is that I don't support that. Andrew's giving me a weird look right now. <laughs> I'm just saying there's there's a bigger corporation at play, right? Like, Walmart is global. Exactly. If they, if they burn down a mom-and-pop shop, that's bad, right? That's a small business trying to make a living. But, like, Walmart is different. Right. Obviously, there are looters who are just looting for the shit of it, right? But, like, on a, on another level, right? Some of the protesters are, are like, oh, you know, this global corporation is is one of the reasons there's so much inequality, blah blah blah, right? Let's attack them as a symbol. That's different, right? But no, I understand. Like, you're you're burning it down and you're taking away people's jobs. But I mean, this. Hi. No, I'm not like. <sighs> I don't want to get caught in a trap here. Like it's it's not okay to like burn shit down, yeah. but they're tr- they're trying to, to stick it to the man, I guess. Yeah. It's definitely an issue that's not black or white, and definitely very complex, especially considering the socioeconomic and political factors that also sort of tie into it as a play across the world. Because this is something that's even happening in the United States today. Sort of exactly. the level of demonstration that's occurring across the country that people feel is necessary. But I think I wanted to sort of shift gears a little bit back to Rachel's comment about sort of the amount of Venezuelans in Chile. I did want to dive more into that and sort of how you guys interact with the, with the diaspora at all. So sort of, Rachel, do you find yourself getting a lot of Venezuelan food or meeting with a lot of Venezuelans? And Andrew, the same with other people from the United States. Yeah, I like a bunch of the people who work with me, they're from Venezuela. I we usually get to eat a lot of Venezuelan food. I don't make a lot of Venezuelan food. And I just don't like the fact of being in a country with the people that you were trying to run away with. Eh, from from <laughs> from. And it was like, I don't know, for me like I want to I want to live in a country and leave the have that experience and try like I was saying before have that experience get to know that culture and not be involved with mine because porque para eso me quedo en Venezuela yeah if she wanted to hang out with Venezuelans she would have just stayed in Venezuela <laughs> yeah for, for me obviously like there are a lot of expats I mean most most of the people at my company are not Americans right? or not not from the US I should say but not you know, I think we have one Chilean and one Venezuelan, mm. right? So and from like Anglophone countries? Yeah, like England, Scotland, uh, Canada. Um, but like other, other than my company, you know. You know, I, the I, guy who plays softball. Yeah, league. I was going to say, I did, I did join a softball league and there's gringos in that league, but it's not like only gringos. Like there are also, you know, like Venezuelans, we have uh to, there's someone from the Dominican Republic which I thought I was like you came all the way down to Chile damn <laughs> um but yeah like there are definitely gringos and I would say I try to avoid gringo spots right cuz there's 
language exchanges. There's the when we were studying abroad. I don't know if you remember the Miracles Po, like the the club mm-hmm. nights at, at oh, the, yeah, the bars. Gringo like that is yeah, those are gringo parties. Like, and I, I try to avoid those because it's on the same level, right? I came here to live in a new culture. Um, you know, not that I hate gringos, right, or anything, but the point is, it's the same thing. Like, if I wanted to hang out with gringos all the time, I would be in the U.S. Yeah, exactly. It's not that I hate Venezuelans, but like, no, no, no. I don't want to be in a country where it's packed with Venezuelans. That's why I want to move out. <laughs> Again. <laughs> <laughs> she said, she, I, I said, oh, if we, if we go to the U.S., let's live in Miami. And she said, hell no. Because that's probably the most Latin scene yeah. in the U.S., I would imagine. Yeah, you would hear a lot it's of Spanish. You would feel right at home. Yeah. <laughs> Are there any aspects of everyday life that, like, in your home country that you think people in Santiago or even other parts of the world may not really understand? So what are the very peculiar things about living in Venezuela or living in the States that you think just people from from Santiago would just be like, well, what the hell? You you can go first, Rach. Uh, like, like, what aspects okay. of life in Venezuela, uh-huh. of daily life in Venezuela, would people from Santiago not understand? Like what? Like so, Like like standing in line, a huge line. Obviously, pre-COVID, I should say, because not everyone's standing in line for food. <laughs> yeah. But in Minnesota, like there was a huge line in whatever store, and people will will stop and ask, like, "What are you making line for?" And you'll just say, like, "For uh, for un kilo de harina." Harina's. For for a kilo of flour. Like for really basic stuff, like yeah. people would have to wait oh. hours. And they'll and they'll be like, okay, okay, I'm going, I, I, I'm going at the end, and people like they might get crazy for just a kilo of uh, flour. I don't know how how much is that in. I don't know either. Un kilo. Como... Oh, that's another daily change. Living in the metric system, the U.S. Oh, yeah. got me <laughs> messed up with that, man. And yeah, here in Chile is not not normal to make line for food now we make line but it's because that's like social distance stuff, yeah, yeah it's like because of covid like you need to wait because uh, you're not allowed there's no much people allowed to go into the store yeah yeah uh, but in venezuela like you 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 will make a line yeah o sea como que hacías una fila pero no era seguro que you you would get in line, but it was never sure that you would be able to buy the product. Exactly, that was the sad uh. part. Like for example, I remember one day I had like three three people in front of me. And I was so close, and the guy just said like, "No, we run out. Sorry," and I was wow. like, "Oh my god, you have to be kidding me!" Like it was rough. Like it was bad. And how long did you wait? like three hours i i i wasn't the type of person who who waited a lot in line but i don't remember why like i think i don't remember exactly what was i buying but yeah and for example other thing i i just remember in the soup in supermarkets like you'll have to say your id number so they can register you Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they'll they'll check if you bought this certain product that week like you're only allowed to buy that product once a week and i remember it one day i was in that island 
that I was telling you before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was living in another island, a smallest one. I went to like the city, to the supermarket, and I bought these three deodorants because they were on a sale and I finally found deodorant. <laughs> and then I went back to my little island. Two days later, I went back to the city and to the same supermarket. And the lady, she asked me like, can you please tell me your ID number? So I told her my ID number and she was like, Oh my God, I'm sorry. You already bought this product this week. And I was like, no, I was like, no, how? No, that's impossible. And I explained to her that I was living in this island and that that was completely impossible and that someone else was using my ID number. And she was like, she was like, oh my God, I'm sorry. Can you please tell me another ID number and I'll sell and I and I and I will sell you this? And I was like, sure. And I gave my mom's ID number, <laughs> and she was like, I'm so sorry, but these days, like people, they're they're being so mean. And I was like, how ironic. Yeah, exactly. But I did it for a good cause. Like there was a lot of time without seeing deodorants, and I was on the edge. <laughs> I don't know. Like I wanted to have deodorant. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think that's one of those necessary goods. It it, it was worth the call. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of, uh, there's a lot that people in the U.S. like here just wouldn't get. You know, like cause especially if you if you go to other areas of the city. Like we're fortunate. We live in one of the better neighborhoods. Um, but if you go to other areas, right, like security, I'd, I'd say would be one part. Like imagine like if, you know, for example, like a, a bad neighborhood of like Boston or New York, like Southie, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, not the non-gentrified part of it. Uh, imagine if that was like 60% of the city, right? Uh, I would say that's definitely a part of it. Um, like you definitely have to be much more aware but I, like also like, and this is like a generic thing, but healthcare here is, it's just because they do have a more socialist policy on healthcare. So Rachel went to the doctor the other day for a visit, and it was like what, twenty dollars? No, six dollars. Six six dollars, right? Wow. Like if you go to the U.S., even if you go to a doctor visit, yeah. right? They take your temperature, you get that hundred dollar bill, and you're like, dude, yeah. what? Like, it's just, like, healthcare is very inflated in the U.S. Like, that's something, you know, and I mean, you you could go to basically any country outside the U.S. and realize that. Um, I'm trying to think, what other other thing? Celsius? (laughs) (laughs) I'm still getting Celsius. Like, I just know, like, 30 is hot. And, like, Mm. less than 15 is, like, sweaty. No, that's, like, like, sweatshirt weather, I should say. Not sweaty weather, sweatshirt weather. And then zero Celsius is like freezing, right? Like thir- that's thir- 32 Fahrenheit. That's the closest I'll get to a conversion, right? Because that's freezing point. So that's cold. But Andrew, yeah, do you ever get any like sort of weird questions about the states or any sort of misconceptions that you commonly come across? Hmm. Uh, no, I mean probably the biggest misconception 
that I've experienced in my time here is like there are people here who think that just because Trump is president, like he gets the support of everyone. But mm. I don't have the time to explain the BS of the Electoral College and how technically he didn't have the popular vote. Right. Like, I don't have time to explain that. So I'm just like, no, just no. Like, trust me. No. <laughs> and also, if I was a Trump supporter, what, what do you think I would be doing living in Latin America? Like, uh, that doesn't make sense. Um, misconception. Yeah. That, they think that just because you're a gringo, you're rich. That's also true. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to shift gears a little bit and sort of focus on the future and dive into where you guys want to take your lives and your journey. So starting off, as time has passed, how does your experience compare to what you expected your migration experience to be? You go first? Me go first. Oh. Uh, I don't know. I mean... Be honest. I, I Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, like, I just don't... I'm not much of, like, a, a, a future-forward thinker with things like that. Um, I didn't really move here with, like, big, big expectations. I was kind of just, like, you know, I'm young. I don't have anything really tying me to the States. Uh, might as well go now, right, and get and get this experience. Um, but, you know, obviously the fact that I didn't have expectations, it, it succeeded in every way, right? Like, I didn't I, – I can tell you, for one thing, I didn't, you know, picture us living in an apartment so quick, right? I expected us to probably be living in that house for a while. I didn't picture us getting a dog. Like, we got a dog recently, um, you know, and kind of getting settled into life here, right? Um, and I guess other expect, like, the visa process, right? Oh, we haven't even talked about that yet. But mm -hmm. even, even for me, like, everyone, everyone, like, Rachel, her friends, everyone said, oh, you're a gringo. You'll get through the visa process really quick, right? Like, I applied in September, like, I applied, like, maybe a couple weeks after I got here, right? Sent mm -hmm. through my application, started the process, and I didn't get my, like, visa and my ID until, like, March. Yeah. Uh, so it's, like, a slow process for everyone. Obviously, you know, I had that was, like, the intro visa, like, the introductory visa. Um, but that did not meet my expectations. Even I, like, I don't want to buy into it and be like, oh, yeah, I'm gringo, I'm better. Right, I should get my visa faster. But after like four months, I was like, "Yo, what the hell? Like, I'm gringo. I'm better. I should get my visa faster." <laughs> so that didn't work out. But no, I mean, that was that was fun. Uh, opening a bank account also that did not meet my expectations. I'll say, because in the U.S., dude, you go to a bank and you're like, "Here, I'm trying to put my money in your bank." And they're like, "Yeah, oh, dude, sign right here. Right, it's quick." <laughs> I had to contact like three different banks and I was like, look, I have a visa. I have a job, right? I officially live gringo. here. I'm a gringo, right? Let me put my money in your bank. And they're like, no. <laughs> so I was like, what? Wow. like, it's, it's absurd. It was really tough to get a bank account here. Uh, and I, like, I didn't even get one until well, like July or August. Yeah. No, like I literally just opened it like a month ago. That's, that's how tough it was to get it just because, you know, Obviously, there's there's probably other things, but I figured it'd be a lot easier to open a bank account for for one. That's definitely up there. That's an expectation that was not met. <laughs> um, but yeah, I did think we would be traveling more because for anyone who doesn't know Chile, like it's it's a nice it's a long country, desert in the north, 
Patagonia in the south, obviously a lot of like other environments in the middle of that. And being here, like having Chile as your home base, it's much easier and like cheaper to travel to those environments, right? Because if you go back and forth from the U.S., it's like 800 bucks a flight. Um, but mm-hmm. here, it's 100 bucks to fly to the desert, 100 bucks to fly to Patagonia, right? That's awesome. Um, but COVID just threw a giant ass wrench uh, into our plans there. But I guess that's that's a that's a COVID fault why that expectation wasn't met. Yeah, I don't think anyone could have seen this pandemic coming at all. Well, apparently China, but they, oh. they, they don't like whistleblowers there. Sorry, sorry. You might want to edit that out. Otherwise, otherwise you'll get censored from your podcast in China. <laughs> Probably should mention. No. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll take my chances. I really want to amplify the truth in everyone's story. So, Rachel... <laughs> So, Rachel, how does sort of your experience compare to what you expected? Yeah, it has been a really nice experience. I don't know. Like, I wasn't expecting to find a boyfriend. Uh, let me see. September, October, November. Two months later of arriving in the country. <laughs> like, I was, that was not on my plans. And having a long-distance relationship with Andrew through all those we were the first time we were apart it was for like what nine months nine nine yeah. months and i was working and i was trying to have life here and i don't know for me it has been good it has been really excited exciting yeah yeah uh, the only bad thing is that i graduated from hotelery mm-hmm. and here in chile if you want to find a decent job you need to have your permanent visa otherwise mm-hmm. you'll just find if you're lucky or you know someone you'll find a really good job but if you don't you just have to st- stay w- with what you have and that's what that's what had has happened mm-hmm. yeah so like she is basically stuck and like she said earlier like obviously she's very thankful for the job but she's basically she, she can't go up Right, because these are more mm. official jobs like hotels, they they won't hire you unless you have your permanent visa, which she has been waiting for over a year, more than a almost two years, in April. Wow. So yeah, all like a year and a half. She's been waiting for her per, which is like the second visa you get. Which I, I probably have to apply for that soon, huh? Yeah, in November or something yeah. like that. That's like that's the last one. Then you you if you right. want you have to apply for your citizenship, but I don't know if I want to do that and maybe yes because Venezuelan passport is super bad. Like Andrew was like, hey Rachel, let's let's go to Panama, and I was like, no, I need a visa. Hey Rachel, let's go to Peru. No, I need a visa. Hey Rachel, let's go to Ecuador. No, I need a visa. Andrew, no. So I, is there anywhere you don't need a visa to go? Yeah, no. I don't know. A lot of... Mexico? Mexico, but mm. they, they look at... Me. No, in every country that I've been assigned go, they they look at you weird, because... Don't get me wrong. I, I understand them. Like, they think you're going to stay there forever. When, when, I, when we went to Mexico, he, Andrew was traveling from the U.S., and I was traveling from Santiago, 
and the girl from the from customs is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was she was she was like, "Oh, so you're from Venezuela, right?" And I was like, "Yes." And are you living in Chile? Yes. Uh, okay. So what are you doing here? And I was like, <laughs> "No, I'm I'm going on on a, on a vacation with my boyfriend." Oh, so your boyfriend is a Mexican? And I was like, "No, he's from the US." <laughs> oh, okay, but where's your boyfriend? I was like, he's traveling from the US. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. And how long are you going to stay here? <laughs> 15 days. Uh, okay. And how's that? And I was like, sorry, we have a long distance relationship. We're traveling from different countries and we're going to meet here because this is the closest country I can go that's like, it's closer to him. And she was like, oh, okay, welcome. But it was like, she was like, question through question and and for example going to the u.s for me i've been trying i tried three times getting a visa to the u.s and they always thought that i was moving to the u.s and dude i just wanted to get to know mickey mickey mouse <laughs> go to Disney <laughs> Disney, World. yeah yeah i was like dude i want to go there <laughs> i don't know go to the parks and have fun but nah they they were like just like you don't have enough enough bounds with your country and i was like yes i hate my country but i i don't want to live in the u.s so i know you guys have spoken to some of the challenges you've experienced sort of being in legal limbo getting sort of access to everything a citizen should have but conversely where have you guys been able to find joy and happiness in your migration journey and living outside your home country hmm. can you repeat the question besides in each other of course I comprehended the first half of that question, but not the second. Since I'm just asking, in your migration journey, how have you been able to sort of find joy and happiness and sort of maintain positivity? Because it's difficult to live outside your home country for a prolonged amount of time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously together. um, Like, it's much nicer being able to be here with, like, someone who's always here to support me. uh, Or, like, I'm always here to support her. So, like, that's, that's definitely one thing. Um, in each other, like finding joy and happiness in our, each other's company, especially during COVID, um, you know, when we're just locked up. But also, you know, like getting out, uh, like going to new restaurants, trying new bars, um, you know, meeting new people and kind of developing new groups has been nice as well. Like we did uh, at, the, at the house we lived at um, before we moved here to the apartment, I did like a Thanksgiving. I hosted like Thanksgiving for people at my company. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously like only, you know, there's only, uh, I'm trying to think at that Sorry. point, there were only like three or four Americans, like US people from the US, I should say, uh, in my company. So it was cool, right? Like it was familiar for them, but also a new thing for other people, which was cool. Um, you know, exploring. Like just, just the other day, you know, we... Like, we moved in here, like, a week before COVID. Like, we got here (laughs) just in time. So we haven't really been able to, like, explore, explore. Obviously, like, I'm familiar with the Nuno area because this is where I lived when when we studied here. But it's been, you know, like, three years since we studied here. Uh, The other day, like, they they said, okay, quarantine's lifted on the weekends. You can go out, wear masks, blah, 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 the the whole thing. So we were just walking around. We were trying to find food. (laughs) Um, Which, yeah, like... 
uh, it, it was kind of like seeing good in a bad thing, right? Like Rach kept looking up restaurants that were closed, and I guess she didn't <laughs> check the hours. But we got to walk around and, and explore our neighborhood, um, which I really like that part. Like I like walking around. You know me, Aiden. I like I like walking. Mm-hmm. And, and I know more in the places, <laughs> right? And I think it's the best way to like familiarize yourself with like the streets and and the feel. Uh, and it was nice to get out and do that again. I said like that's definitely a source of joy and happiness here uh, is exploring, right? And that's anywhere you move, right? You can find joy in just exploring new things, um, whether it be food. You know, we we want to go out. We want to do the hiking trails. Uh, we wanted to do them in the winter when it was like okay and and not super hot. But we might not get that chance. Um, but, you know, obviously going to places that we haven't been before in the city, um, even going to places that we have been and just doing new things there. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, for me, the same. And also, like, I don't want to sound cheesy, but <laughs> one of the happiest moments that I have had since I moved to Chile, it was the fact that Andrew moved here. Cause I don't, oh. I don't have that much. I have my, fr- I have friends, obviously. And <laughs> it's not that like... sounds like something someone without friends would ah, say. Ah, shut <laughs> up. <laughs> like I have friends and I really like them, but the fact of going back to your house and not seeing someone was kind of rough for me. Cause like I always got back from work and I was used to, to see my mom or my sister or at least my dog. But when moving here to Chile, it was kind of hard cause I didn't have someone to tell all the things that happened on my day or I don't know, someone to complain about whatever. <laughs> and since Andrew got here, like, yeah, it was like life changing. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I really think that like he's a really he's a really nice boyfriend. I really love him. <laughs> that was sweet to hear. <laughs> For migrants who may be in similar shoes to you, or maybe where you were at the beginning of your journey, what advice would you offer to make the most for them to make the most of their journey? So like someone from the US here, it depends where they're coming from, for sure. Yeah, probably in your your space. So maybe somebody from the U.S. looking specifically to work in Chile, get a job there, really start their life. Yeah, I mean, first of all, you know, don't listen to the the at least the guy from the embassy in Boston. This guy killed me because uh, before I moved here, I was trying to get a visa. Zero before stars. Before I moved here, and I don't know if I I don't know if I told you this, Aiden, but like, do you remember? I think I think I did tell you about this. I was emailing a guy from the embassy and I was like, hey, you know, I want to get a visa, blah, blah, blah. And he was responding to me in like all caps, like, no, you know, you can't do it that way. And I was like, but I've read online what? and I know an immigration lawyer in Chile who said I could do it that way. And he just responded in all caps, like so aggressive in an email. He was just like, no. And I was like, all right, screw it. I'm going to do it my own way. Like, if, if you're going to move here, it's very okay to move here and start the visa process here. It's actually probably favorable, I would say. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, it may take longer, but if you're in process, right, as long as you've applied for the visa and you're in process, they're not going to give you any shit. Like, they're not going to, like, you don't have to worry about anything. Um, which, like, obviously, start, if, if you plan on being here, you have a, you have a three-month tourist visa, 
But if you start that application as soon as possible, that gives you a three months where, you know, like nothing could happen. And in those three months, you'll likely get a document or something saying, oh, it's in process at least, right? So that way, if you stay past your visa, you know, nothing like, will yeah, yeah, nothing will happen. Um, also, you know, before you, you apply for the visa, like look up the requirements, like they're changing every day, right? It's probably very different, not super different, but like you need a background check, which is very tough to get mailed to you if you're already living here. So like get a background check while you're in the States, get uh, your uh, degree. If you have a degree, get that apostilled. Um, mm. What else did I, I got a few things apostilled. Maybe even the background check. The I background got, check, yeah. I got apostilled. Uh, and the medical. Medical. You have to get like a medical like check as well. Basically yeah, but saying, that's just in case. Yeah. They didn't ask you for, they didn't ask you that. I'm trying to remember what they asked for on the application. Um, yeah, mo- like, like look up what you need and get whatever you need in the, from the U.S. in the U.S. while you're in the U.S. Definitely start there. Like, do not move here without researching or, like, looking up anything. Like, that would be a mistake because then you're going to be scrambling. Like, the reason I was able to submit my application so fast was because I spent my time, like, before I moved here, what? I spent time in the U.S. getting my stuff ready. Like, I spent... And, and I had to sell a car, too. I keep bringing that up. <laughs> but that was such a hectic experience. Um, I forget the I forget the guy's name, but shout out to him for <laughs> buying my car on, like, short notice. Like, he just showed up. He was like, yeah, I'll pay for it in cash. And it I was, was like, like one day or something. Yeah, yeah, he responded, and he bought it the next day. I was like, all right, cool. Um, which is, like, I think I sold my car the day before I yeah. left. So I was really cutting it close. Um, so if you have a that car, try to sell it earlier. That was hectic. Like, I was I was really stressing before I got on that flight. Um, I'm trying to think what it... And then, obviously, like, I think this applies to, like, literally everything in life. But just don't stress. Like, you get here, you send in the application, just wait, right? Um, you know, like, there's no use. Maybe in the U.S., if you pester a government official, they might help you or, you know, it might do something. But here, that's not going to do anything. Like, they will literally just not care. Um, so you just got to be patient. Like, patience is, is a key. And I'll, I'll recommend that for anything in life. But definitely, if, you, if you're moving to a new country, like, you have to learn patience as well. Um, and then another thing, Facebook. Although, you know, I don't like, I'm not a huge fan of Facebook. But using, no, no, no like, using, like, look for uh, gringo groups. Like, there are groups of foreigners and expats they're a great source of, of advice. Uh, they're a great source of, like, furniture even. Like, they, a lot of them post, like, oh, hey, you know, we're selling this couch or we're selling this. Um, and in a country that might not seem super familiar, and, like, one of the things you want to do is, is, is leap into the unfamiliar, right? Having certain pockets of familiarity is very helpful, right? And, you know, I'm try- I forget the name of the curve, but there's, like, this, this curve for like when you're living abroad it's like oh you feel good and then you feel bad and then you feel homesick um like they showed it to us at, at I know our what you're talking about. yeah um but th- those pockets of familiarity can help you right and even even finding like we found american beer here we found um, what was it it was uh ballast point like we found ballast oh, yeah. point 
Um, you know, there's some gringo-owned restaurants. Like, you know, obviously you want to move to a new country to be thrust into the unknown, right? But having those small things here and there, you know, can kind of help you along the way in the long run, right? Kind of reset. Like, that's another thing as well, like, in terms of getting used to the country. And then, obviously, if you're from the U.S. moving to Chile, you know, throw whatever Spanish learning you have out the door because Chileans speak whack <laughs> Spanish, as, as I've come to know. Like, when we were living here, I didn't notice it as much. But now, like, when we were studying here, I didn't notice it much. But now, like, I notice it. Like, they speak so different. Yeah. Thanks for that robust advice, and hopefully anybody who's trying to make a move to Chile knows exactly what to do now. So I guess, Rachel, or would you have any... they can hit me up, too. They can just text me, and I'll, I'll give more advice. I don't know. <laughs> and yeah, for Venezuelans, for Venezuelans, it's totally different. Like, you need to get a visa, even if you're a tourist. He, uh, you need a visa to come to Chile, even if you're just having fun and trying to know this beautiful country and if you want to move here it used to be like andrew said like it was exactly the same process because all the thing all everything that he did it was the same thing i did when i arrived here but now you need to try to get a visa from from the chilean embassy in whatever country you are and they they they'll allow allow you to come to chile work and to leave and whatever but first you need to wait like what my mom my a mom longer more than a year my mom applied for for a tourist visa and and they deny her visa because she didn't have the she was coming for three months and she didn't have she didn't scan all the dollars that she was going to use here because they were asking her that, which is absurd. Wow. Like, who's going to scan that? Like, it's it's weird. So <laughs> she applied for this living visa in here in Chile, and she has been waiting since almost a year. But she has an appointment, though, right? Yeah, but... When's the appointment? February. February. Exactly. She's still got a way to go. Exactly. Yeah. And she doesn't even know if she's going to that appointment because of COVID and all that. Mm. Like, they might mm. move that appointment. But, yeah, like, Venezuelan, yeah, the Venezuelan case, it's totally different for any other country. Like, it has, it, every country has their rules, but, like I said before, it's not that being a Venezuelan these days, it's super rough because... Every country, they don't want you to go there because there are a bunch of people going to these countries. Like, good people. Don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about bad people going and destroying their countries. But there are a lot of Venezuelans migrating. How do you say that? My, yeah, mm -hmm. it's like a, a mass migration. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. Like, I think like 70% an, an of... Exactly, yeah. Like 70% of their population has just left the country just looking for a better life. Yeah, and for yeah, and like I said before, like I when I went to <laughs> to Mexico, I was just to have fun there, and they put a bunch of questions on the way because they just thought that I was probably lying and I was just 
I was just saying all those things because I was gonna stay there and I don't know leave illegally there and a lot of people do that because that's why they put all those all those rules because they just go to customs and they ask you a bunch of questions and they just lie they just say like mm -hmm. yes no I'm coming here for like two weeks and then they stay forever like I did by the way no I didn't lie <laughs> they just asked me what I was gonna do here when I when I came to Chile they asked me what are you gonna do here no I'm gonna visit my sister for 15 days <laughs> and then boom I stayed here well, I guess since you arrived have the policies changed a lot over those times I know you say they they've changed so much but has it been a more recent change where they've gotten stricter or yeah like yeah I came yeah. here in September 2017 and since then like like six months later all the things like they changed they changed bad and now they're asking a bunch of a background check uh, everything needs to be apostille which is a very important thing if you don't have it here in Chile and or any other country like if you want to prove that you really study blah blah thing uh, you need to prove that with an apostille mm. like that there are there are like I don't know how many countries that allowed you to do that or they accept that uh, that that document mm. and mm. I don't know everything has changed very yeah. roughly yeah I mean even 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 for US um, like people from the US or, or people not from Venezuela things have changed uh, couldn't tell you exactly what just because it's like I was I, w I was lucky to get my application like even that was confusing but yeah now now uh, very uh, drastic change it was like when you wanted to apply for your permanent permanent visa you needed to uh, to yeah. mail is that the word to mail your enviarlos por correo oficina bueno like you needed to send all your documents now you can do it online mm -hmm. which is better mm -hmm. but you still need to wait i did my application online and i i've been waiting since April from April last year. Yeah. 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 Has you'd, been. You'd figure things would go faster online, but no. they do not. Nope. nope. Sometimes these online systems are just as bad as the administrative systems, like in person. Yeah. So, so shifting to my very last question, which is going to be a staple that I'm going to ask every guest, is your migration journey over? Do you see yourself either returning to your home country or living in another country in the future? Or is it even still up in the air? Uh, we would even say up in the air, honestly. Yeah. Like, obviously, you know, I don't plan to live my entire life outside the U.S., but I don't plan to live my entire life here in Chile. Um, like I said, I really like living in new environments and, and, and experiencing, like, different things around the world. You know, you know I was, it depends on a job. Right, but like my goal would be to have like a digital nomad job where we could live wherever, right? Maybe hit up Southeast Asia or like Australia would be like like Australia has really good connections and and if Rachel were to get like uh, a Chilean citizenship, it'd be very easy for us to go to Australia, um, Canada. Like I really like Montreal. Like I I could see myself living in Montreal, 
Hell, I could see myself living in, in Buenos Aires as well, right? No, but not right now. Yeah, not right now, obviously. <laughs> like, Buenos Aires... Oh, yeah, that inflation. Yeah, they were doing good economically. Like, they were, they were doing okay, but they're, they're kind of on the downhill again. Um, but, I mean, even other countries in Latin America, uh, like Colombia, Panama... No. Yeah, not even like Panama. Even Mexico. Like yeah, I, I would, Mexico. I, I would, I'd love to live in Mexico in like a little beach town and just work on my laptop mm-hmm. and then go to the beach. Like, it, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm not ready to go back to the U.S. And if Trump gets reelected, I definitely don't want to go back to the U.S. Yeah, and I'm not going to Venezuela. Yeah. <laughs> not, not at all. I, I, I can go, but like just to piss it but i don't want the same thing happen to me like my my uncle he he lives in england he has been living mm-hmm. all his life almost in england and he went he went to venezuela this this march past march just to give my grandmother a surprise because it was her birthday and boom covid and since COVID. that he's stuck in venezuela in venezuela wow He's been living for what, like uh, six, six, seven, 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 yeah, months. six, seven months six in another, months, like, yeah. in a country that he doesn't like, and yeah, it's it's. He says that it's terrible, like, he, like no electricity, no internet, and it's just wow. bad. So do you still have family in Venezuela? Like, are you still like how is yeah. the situation there today? Usually, uh, currently, sorry, I have my mom. And I have my grandmother for from both sides. I have uncles, aunts, and that's it. But my cousins, they're all out. And my sisters mm-hmm. are out, and my brother is out. Everyone's out. <laughs> like, the old people is the one who's in Venezuela. And what's it like? They're, like, they're, they're having a rough time. Like, they live with, with, with the money we send them monthly mm. like that's why they can't afford to have a, a decent life just how do you call this air quotes yeah like decent uh, like mm. decent while doing air quotes like decent yeah. in their standards yeah because right. my mom like she wants to put a gasolina como se dice? gas just yeah gas. gas on her car and she needs to Wait in line for a in line for one day and a half, two days, even more. Wow. And it's just crazy, like it's bad. I I she even says that like Rachel, you got out of the country in the perfect time, because she was like you'll be bold by now because you'll be so stressed that <laughs> this is really bad. And yeah, like I'm very think I'm I'm trying to take my mom out of the country, like don't get me wrong, but it's it's hard because Chile has put a lot of things to also my sisters they're in the US and they can take her that easily, so I'm trying to, to bring her here to mm. to Chile. Well, I hope that you can get your mother to Chile. And I want to thank the both of you for sharing and just offering your insight throughout this entire interview. Unfortunately, we are at time. But again, a big thank you to both Rachel and Andrew for coming on and sharing their stories. I've learned a lot and more than about... And I, I thought I knew about Chile because I lived there for six weeks, but I learned more about it in this interview than I have in a while. 
and it was a joy. And as per usual, you were both a pleasure to speak with. So do you, either of you have any projects or publications or social media handles that you want to share and shout out? Uh, no, I mean, I don't I mean, thanks for having us. Uh, really cool to be on the, the first episode. Um, yeah, it was, it was really fun. I like to spread the views, spread the, spread the knowledge, I guess. But mm-hmm. in terms of publications or Instagram, I don't really... Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) I want to, I want, yeah, I really want to thank you for this, this moment of talking uh, about our lives. And I, I, I know that my English is not like perfect and there are some things that I, that I didn't say correctly, but uh, Andrew's helping me with that. (laughs) Like I'm helping him with, with Spanish. So uh, my Instagram account is Rachel. ¿Cómo se dice? You're, you're gonna have to spell it for them. Yeah, like my mm. name since I'm in, in Latin America, my my parents mm. misspelled. Is that how you say it? Mis- no, they, they didn't misspell. It. They spelled it for Latin pronunciation. Yeah, it's mm. R E. What What is your Instagram account? I don't even know the handle. Es Rachel R A Uno. Okay, it's R E I C H. E L R A one Rachel Ra yeah. Uno. I can also plug it in the description of the podcast so our fans can follow. That would probably help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I also even... plug it with the episode promotion. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I don't know my Instagram handle, but if people want to follow us, cool. I, it's, I guess it's Andrew Simpson nine oh eight. I think. <laughs> don't quote me yeah. on that. Anyway, thank you no, so it, much, it would be guys, zero and have a good one. Yeah. Thanks, Aiden. <laughs> What an episode. It was amazing hearing both Rachel's and Andrew's journey, and I'm glad that we have one episode under wraps. My end goal is to truly have every country in the world represented in one way or another, so I'm glad I can start off by checking off both Venezuela and Chile. Thank you all for tuning in. If you like what you heard on the Post Pull Factor, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcast. follow us on Instagram at Push Pull Factor, and check out our brand new website, pushpullfactor.com. Have a good one.